0: This episode of The Blockchain Lawyer will be about the Chinese developments, especially about the Chinese digital currency that will come out next year. A very important topic. And it will also contain a little rant on blockchain and why I'm not happy with the current state of blockchain. Have fun. Welcome to The Blockchain Lawyer, a podcast on technology and law. Dennis Hilleman is an accomplished lawyer with over 13 years of experience and a passion for creating a better future through blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive innovations. All statements expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and his guests only and are in no way legal or financial advice. And now, here is your host, Dennis Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode. Guys, it's Sunday, the 7th of June, and it's my first podcast since three months on blockchain. My name is Dennis Solomon, and let me tell you what I have been been up to in the last three months. As you all can guess, I've been dealing with the COVID-19 situations in Germany. I have been assigned to KPMG's uh, COVID-19 task force in Germany And I've been counseling state aid mostly within the last weeks because a lot of companies have been hit quite hard, as it's probably the case all over the world. So I won't get into too much details. But that's why I had disappeared from the world a little, from the blockchain world at least. And I hope you guys can understand that. And I'm glad you're back. And I hope you and your loved ones are well and healthy and will continue to be so. My and R, and for that I'm super thankful. So basically, now I w- now that we are settling into the new normal, which while I don't know what that is, but nonetheless, while I were settling into this, I will be back into the blockchain community, and I want to talk about blockchain related things. And the first thing I really want to talk about, even if you guys don't like it, is that I have been a bit disappointed with the blockchain community in the last weeks. When the pandemic started first, like when COVID-19 spread all over Europe and then later to the US and caused all this tragedy, I've seen posts on LinkedIn that were like favoring even COVID-19, especially when the stock market went down and saying that now it's the end of capitalism as we know it and now could be the age of the digital currencies. And I thought that was very rude. And very hard com- concerning if we saw what we, what happened all over the world. Especially if you notice that Bitcoin went crashing down as well and all the other cryptocurrencies too with it. And is now like, I know it's now going up again, nearly 10K when I, at the moment that I record this podcast. But nonetheless, it showed to me that Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies are very much objects of speculation as well. And there's there's little use to them at this point. Also, we came into a world that was digitized very fast within the last months. Um, It made me think of words of Lenin because Lenin once said, there are decades in that nothing happens. And then there are weeks and where decades happen. I think that's a very good saying. And I think it very much refers to this time and all that is happening. We saw education having to go digital, which didn't work out too well all over the place, at least not in Germany. We had to see state administration going digital more and more. And it worked at times quite well, especially with the state aid measures in Germany. We have to acknowledge that our economy can be hurt pretty easily in a global surrounding, and that many companies will struggle in a digital, fully digital world. These events of COVID-19 will have a huge impact on our economy and our society. I'm very persuaded of that. And if you look now at the measures for example that the German government takes here. They want to sp- they want to help the economy again with a huge packet that will cost around 130 billion euros and there will be a lot of investment into digitalization but also into sustainable solutions and sustainable development for economy. If you see all that, I ask myself, where's blockchain? Honestly, blockchain community, I didn't see much of blockchain in the last weeks. It's not only because I've been working so hard, but also because there's no blockchain Zoom. Like, there's no blockchain solution that really could help in this scenario. I know some of my listeners will object heavily on this, but I don't care at this point because I think it's true to say that. And even if I provoke you, it's fine because guys and girls, we need a good blockchain solution for adaption. You can't talk about blockchain being a technology that changes the world, but is not present when the world changes. And, I'm missing such a technology. I'm missing a technology that, for example, could have helped the state in this situation, a blockchain solution that could have helped the state prevent the spread of COVID-19 or to control the spread of COVID-19. I don't know. For example, when it came to state aid measures here in Germany, it was very easy to some degree to ask for state aid measures here. And to some degree, it was pretty complex because there is no digital ID. There's no digital identity that you could just prove who you are with. And so if you as a small company wanted to ask for money, you had to upload your ID as an owner of said company to prove that you're a real person. That's like so 90s in some way, I think. And I wonder... How much good could blockchain have done in such such a situation with a digital identity? How much good could blockchain have done in tracking the cases of COVID-19 internationally and globally? How much good could a blockchain have done in the financial sector for spreading money easily? For example, also in the US, I read many people are still waiting for financial support, even if they filed for it weeks ago. In so many ways, blockchain could have done so much good. For example, also science. Um, There are so many studies on COVID-19 already, which is good, but it has proven that a lot of studies relied on bad data. And blockchain is, from my understanding, something that could prevent um, bad data from spreading. So where was blockchain in science? What I want to say here at the beginning of this new podcast episode is that I think we still, we as a blockchain community, need to work on solutions that really help, that really provide an advantage to our solution, even in such a crisis. We don't have that yet. I don't care if if you're now promoting Bitcoin, Ethereum, if you're promoting Hyperledger or whatever. We didn't have a good blockchain solution in this crisis, and that's not good. Now also, there are all these programs coming up from states, and I see a lot of support in Germany for putting a lot of money, for example, into artificial intelligence. Chancellor Merkel even uh, talked about that. Why Why is there no talking about blockchain? Why is there no talking from European countries on a large level on promoting the idea of blockchain in this digital new world. There's a lot of talking about digitalization, but there's little talking about blockchain. That is why I called the first part of this episode, Blockchain Failed. We failed as a community to provide a solution that could help actually in this situation. And we also failed to promote blockchain in a way that put it number one, or if not number one, at least number eight of the digital agenda of states, of the European Union, of other countries now wanting to promote digitalization and put money into this. We as a community failed. Because, w- and why is that? There's a lot of reasons for that, I think. Um, one of the reasons being A blockchain community is often enough a bubble. Sorry to say so, but often enough, when it comes to blockchain, we just talk about to people and promote a content to people that are already into blockchain and understand it. That's not what we should be doing. We should promote blockchain to those who don't understand it. We should promote blockchain to those who need solutions and provide simple and easy-to-use solutions, not complex solutions that that I barely understand if someone explains them to me. I know I'm not the brightest guy when it comes to technology and blockchain, but if I don't understand them, you won't make a lot of people outside of the community understand them. So we need to think of such solutions, and I hope that maybe some who listen will take a step back one a while and listening to this and think about solutions that could really help and that are easy to promote. And second, we need to still educate people on blockchain and its benefits. And we need to educate people as a community on that. We don't need to educate each other anymore. We need to educate the world. And that is what this podcast will focus again on because I've been even missing, I've been mistreating that a little. And that's why this podcast will go from now on more again into educating people, and anyone who wants to share their opinions on this podcast on how we can educate and spread the idea of blockchain, and anyone who has a great idea with, with blockchain and what could actually benefit the world in this crisis or after it, and well, please reach out to me on LinkedIn and let us talk about it. Or please join my network, the Blockchain Lawyers Network, that I also founded it's a private social network with more than 250 members now that are discussing blockchain and regulation of blockchain but also technical solutions feel free to join either contact me on linkedin or go to www.blockchainlawyersnetwork.com i repeat www.blockchainlawyersnetwork.com I am very much looking forward to seeing you then. even if you just want to rant at me for this first part of this podcast episode. Hey, feel free to do so. Come on and tell me what great solutions were and why blockchain hasn't failed in this part in this crisis. So now that we went through this little rant of mine, Let's go into the Chinese cryptocurrency because there are news on this cryptocurrency and I think that is a development that we actually should talk about. There are actually two things that we should know about China and its blockchain plans and its cryptocurrency plans. There's first the country's central bank digital currency named DCEP, which is reportedly already being tested since April in four cities in China. And the second development that I also think is super interesting on a global scale is the blockchain-based service network, or BSN, which is already fully functional in um, China. And while I've been already talking about the Chinese cryptocurrency on this podcast, I haven't yet been talking about the blockchain service network. And that's what we're going to change today, too. We're going to talk about both of them, the cryptocurrency and the service network. In a nutshell, um, this service network is a global infrastructure designed for helping blockchain projects launch applications at lower costs. Basically, this is something that I've already been discussing in Germany at some events. Um, do we need a state driven blockchain, or do we need at least a b- state driven blockchain network? And of course, um, the evangelists of blockchain and Bitcoin, they were like saying, oh my god, no, That's all what blockchain doesn't stand for. We don't want a central solution by the state because blockchain is decentralized. It should give power to the people away from the state and the companies and the authorities. But honestly, guys, if you want blockchain to spread, I think you should reconsider it. I'm not saying that China's uh, plan is good because, of course, we know what China might be doing with this, and we're going to talk about this soon. But nonetheless, we saw in this COVID-19 situation that the state is really still important, that it plays a huge role in our lives. And this is, that is why we shouldn't look at the state when it comes to blockchain in such a way, and degrading way. Maybe the state could help promote blockchain and help even startups running blockchain a- applications on a public-driven blockchain. I don't know. It's just something that I want to discuss it well in in the future. And at least China is going already way. So let us talk about what's going on in China. I already informed you that China wants to promote blockchain because in October uh, 2019, Xi Jinping, the People, um, the chairman of the People's Republic of China said that China will play a huge role in blockchain. China actually thinks, according to reports, that ch- blockchain could be 10 times bigger than the internet and it wants to be the international leader in blockchain. This is why it started um, already in 2014 a project on a state-driven cryptocurrency which obviously now, as DCEP, could be, become fully operational pretty, shu- pretty soon. And it could make China the first country in the world to introduce a digital currency on a large scale. So let's talk about this digital currency. DCEP stands for Digital Currency Electronic Payment. There's no official information yet when it will be spread out on a national base but there are some heavy rumors that this will be in the the case in the mid of 2021 already china says that by this digital currency by this cryptocurrency run by china itself it can diminish the risk that come from private currencies and honestly if you are honest that is not so untrue. How many private cryptocurrencies are out there? Ten thousand? I don't know. And how many of them I just used for speculation? Probably like ninety-nine five percent. I don't know. Probably more. And you know how it is. Like they go up about fifty percent one day, and the next day they go up, they go down by eighty percent. It's just not financial stable. And so China can, of course, say that they want to use this cryptocurrency to make sure that there's no such st- uh, there's no such fraud in private currencies. And, of course, that's why um, cryptocurrencies have been banned from China officially. But on the other hand, we all know that there's a deeper truth to that. If you run the yuan on a cryptocurrency, if you make the crypto yuan, of course, it will be able to tra- um, to track all payments, all exchanges with such a digital currency. And, and in China, when knowing things about the people and what they do is super important, it makes 100% sense for China to create such a cryptocurrency. That is why the digital uh, yuan, as such, will not actually be a decentralized cryptocurrency. It it really differs seriously in any, as in many aspects, from Western competitors. The digital yuan will not be on a public, decentralized blockchain. On the contrary, it will be fully in the hand of a central bank, and it will be a fully centralized project, which will of course make sure that the government can track all exchanges of a digital yuan. Nonetheless, it makes sense to go into such a digital currency for China. Let us talk about the functionalities. First of all, China says that it can handle up to 300,000 transactions per second with a digital yuan on its blockchain service network, which is already quite a thing and. And quite a big scale. 300,000 per second. Count that up in a minute. Count that up in an hour. Hull. That's a lot of transactions being able. It's said that transactions will be possible even without internet connection by mobile devices. With the mobile devices probably just storing the information until the device goes online again. Probably Bluetooth will play a role in that. And. It will be functional, probably first between the central banks and the commercial banks, and when it will become functional between commercial banks and the economy as such. There is discussion if the digital euro will be used between private uh, customers from day one, and obviously that will not be the case. You know, in China, um, like, you know, which we shed is very popular and you can send money via we shed, uh, easily by we pay. So in China, it's very common to, to use money electronically. So basically, if you think about that, the digital urine as such is not like a big thing because already now you can pay easily, um, digitally. I even do that when I go here to the supermarket. I actually in these times now with COVID nineteen I rarely pay with cash. I pay with my iPhone using Apple Pay and my credit card is stored on the iPhone. So basically what's I pay electronically fully. And that's what China will do too with a digital Euron. So what does it change? The thing is it will allow for a very new economy. Uh, we all know that cryptocurrencies can allow very few new transactions between customers and banks, but also between uh, banks and um, the central bank. And it's already said that third parties can also be involved in the secondary issuance of the digital money. And in this way, the digital yuan becomes a kind of digital cash substitute, because after all, the Chinese state cryptocurrency should only replace circulating cash reserves, but not um, side disp- depositives of bank accounts. So you see, like, the digital yuan will come easily into play, like it will just replace the solutions that are already there. And so China could get easily into the digital cryptocurrency world. And by this creating a digital currency that is fully under its control, that is circulating first fully in China and then starting to circulate all over the world. Because I think that especially businesses from the Western world will have to adapt to the digital urine pretty well, pretty easily for make to trade and to make business in China, they will probably have to agree to use the digital yuan. And by that, China could easily spread the digital yuan all over the world. And China says what it wants to do with the digital yuan is to, like, stabilize and even broaden the financial transaction. Because, you see, in China, you got a lot of workers that wander from one job to the other, from city to city. They don't have bank accounts in that classical way, they get often paid in cash. And they are excluded in a way from the financial system. And with a digital yuan that they can carry with them on their cell phones and pay with the cell pay easily via their smartphones, they can become part of a full financial system pretty easily because you see that's different from Europe where a lot of people already have a bank account. You have unbanked people in, in China, so it makes sense to create such a digital yuan. Also, so that surveillance about around these people is still possible. And also, the Chinese cryptocurrency is suitable for any financial operations because of its high throughput, including traditional retail transactions and even micropayments. Micropayments are, of course, a huge issue. For example, pretty much in Germany, if you go to some uh, stores... You can't pay with electronic uh, cash uh, unless you reach a certain sum because of the amount that the uh, retailer has to pay to the bank or to the credit card service for using its service. So. Micropayments are often still done in cash here in Germany, and of course they are still done in cash in China. But with a digital yuan, they can be so much easier. And then you can create so many more businesses that run over micropayments and that sum up at great sums. Oh when it comes to huge, they come to huge amounts. For example, you can use them in traffic easily if payments are done automatically through smart contracts. We talked about that on this blockchain too. For example, I enter a bus, I don't pay I don't need to buy Buy a ticket at first. Like just by entering the bus, the ticket is automatically bought and it's automatically paid with a digital yuan. If I go into a theater, no no entry um, control anymore. Like the moment I walk in, The sum that I have to pay is paid automatically. You can do so much business automatically with a digital cryptocurrency. You can create so many more business opportunities. You can create machine-to-machine business. We all talked about this on this podcast. So a digital cryptocurrency being used on a wide level, on a national level of 1 billion Chinese people, that will have a huge, huge impact. And what China also wants to do is to strengthen its own national currency. China is the second economy in the world and the least dependent on all prices. Like China is the least dependent on all prices. But it is dependent very much on the dollar. And what China wants to do with creating the digital yuan is to get less and less dependent of the dollar. Just think about it. If anyone doing business in China needs to accept the digital yuan and then has to spread it all over the world as well, that will create a very, very strong currency that can totally compete with the dollar. And that is, of course, very important to China because the real war that Donald Trump and the U.S. can wage upon the world is through the dollar and by controlling the dollar and by Providing sanctions to people and institutions by not letting, uh, not giving them access to the dollar, to their accounts and everything. So if you break the supremacy of the US and with the US dollar, then you will regain a lot of political freedom. And of course, that's what China is act is reaching for. This is also why, if the digital yuan comes out and is a is a success in China, I'm super sure that the US and The European Union will also bring out the digital dollar and the digital euro. So you see, uh, coming back to the first point of this podcast, that is adoption of blockchain, even if it's in a way that most blockchainers won't like it. That is why China also said that the digital currency will be connected to the existing app payment system in China. You don't need to download new apps. You can just use the old ones. And that is why the digital yuan might get adapted and accepted by the population very quickly, mass adoption very quickly. And Alipay from Alibaba seems to be on board of using the digital yuan quite well and quite early as well. And the first time that the whole world will probably use the digital yuan is at the Winter Olympics in 2022 in Beijing, because China said that will, be the, that will be the time that the digital yuan will be widely used around the Olympics. So it's very, very clever to bring it out next year, check on what's not working, make sure it works by the end of 2022, when the or by 2022, when the Winter Olympics happen, and then have it run smoothly. And guys, that will happen, because China has the power to make it happen. So basically, we're facing a huge revolutionary project, and China could be the first major economy to introduce a digital currency. There are milestone initiatives already running out, where blockchain service network connecting all the dots. Unfortunately, the cryptocurrency and the network will be centrally controlled, meaning that it's actually no blockchain, while of course there is some blockchain elements involved. And the possible partnership with the private and public sector to strengthen the natural currency yuan could actually mean that China will break the dollar dominance within the next 10 years. So what I think is we're seeing a huge revolutionary development at this time, and we should be aware of it. Anyhow, this was the first episode after the beginning of the COVID-19 situation on the Blockchain Lawyer, and I hope you enjoy it. I also hope that I will see you online again, that you will reach out to me on LinkedIn if you want to be part of a show or comment on it, or I will see you back on the Blockchain Lawyers Network. Feel free to join www.blockchainlawyersnetwork.com. I'm happy to discuss everything with all of you. So this is it for today. Hope to see you soon. And thank you for listening. Stay healthy. Uh, Thanks for listening and tuning in, Dennis. If you wanna learn more about Dennis, please visit his website, theblockchain.lawyer or connect with him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, everyone.